0: My name's Jim. I'm the associate minister at this church, and it's really good to be able to share with you the, the next phase or step of this Ephesians series that we're looking at today, from Ephesians 2, 11 to 22. So I'm going to invite our reader up this morning, Bruce. Should we clap, Bruce? Let us clap, Bruce. <laughs> Feels like we should do that.
1: The reading today is from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So we are on to week four
0: of our um, series in Ephesians, that God is doing a new thing. And uh, if you've not been here for the first few weeks, please catch up on our podcast, our website, on Spotify, on iTunes. Now we're on those places, so please check it out. Last week... Uh, Mark spoke about um, that we are chosen, we are redeemed, that we've been given the deposit of the Holy Spirit. But this week, Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, which is what we're unpacking today, uh, takes a little bit of a turn, I suppose, in terms of looking at the church instead of just individuals. So when I say church, often you think of buildings and ceilings and Lots of leaks and stuff like that. (laughs) Thank you, Paul. Uh, And all that sort of thing. But actually, we are talking about the organism of church. So the people within the church, wherever they met in Ephesus, they were church, ecclesia, called out ones, set apart. Are we making sense? Good. I love interaction. That's how my brain works. So I need you to say stuff at the right times. It's fantastic. But first question to you, really serious question. Who likes school trips when they're at school? There's more than 10 of us, surely. Who loves school trips when you're at school? Yes. Who loves sitting at the back end of the coach when you're at school? Yeah. That's, that's not where the cool people sit now, man. They sit at the front. That's where the cool people sit. Anyway, uh, so, not that I know that. But, um, so, I thought today, because I chose history over geography when I was in year nine, many, many moons ago, because of the history trip. It was like a promise that you go to this Fishbourne Palace. Do you remember that? Where is that? Where is Fishbourne Palace? Someone knows. Chichester. Right. And I was like, I want to go there. I've never been there before. So I chose history over geography. And uh, so the reason I say that is a really poor segue into, we're going to go on a history trip today. Are you excited? Yeah. Fantastic. Because I really feel like for us to understand what Bruce just read to us from Ephesians, that we need to understand the relationship between Jews and Gentiles and understand what Paul is trying to tackle when he looks at what God is doing in church now okay so he's Paul is moving towards what we what God is wanting to do a new thing within the church family so we're going to go right back to Genesis right we good so in Genesis there was a guy called Abraham you know him if you don't know him don't worry it's cool it's fine. We can catch up another time. So Abraham is a guy that, who God makes an incredible promise to, that he's going to be the father and uh, to many nations, descendant of uh, many nations, will go through to basically the promised land. His lineage, his line of people, will basically lead people back to the promised land, right? So they were known as the Hebrews, who then became the Israelites, who then became the Jewish race. You good with me so far? Good. Fantastic. And so the Jewish people were basically chosen by God. In Deuteronomy, they were basically chosen over any other race. And they were set apart. They were part of God's treasured possession. They were his family. They were under the promises of God. They were kind of within the hope of God. They were adopted by God. They were pretty special in God's eyes. And they were set apart not only by God, but also by some of their practices as well. So their, their, their wedding rituals, their funeral rituals, their naming rituals, the um, external practice of circumcision, what they ate, the celebrations and festivals they did, basically set them apart from anyone else, any other group of people, which is where Gentiles came in. Can anyone tell me what they think Gentiles means? Sorry? Non-Jews so glad you're here it's great so anyone who's not a jewish person is a gentile okay so if you're in this room today and you're not jewish you're a gentile right there's no gentile land where they speak they speak gentilish okay that doesn't happen okay it's a whole myriad of people and influences and and religions and um, kind of cultural backgrounds and traditions and stuff as well so are are you with me So far, fantastic, right? And being a Gentile in the eyes of a Jewish person meant that you were outside of God's promises. You were not special. You were not set apart. You were not within the the hope of God, his family. Um, So there is this clear difference uh, and distance and division between Jew and Gentile. You see it in verse 14 when Paul talks about this kind of wall of separation, you didn't think you'd get such a history lesson this morning, did you? <laughs> this wall of separation, but obviously the Ephesian church where they were meeting, there wasn't these like walls, like there wasn't like barriers. But they would have known when they heard Paul speaking about this, they would have known about the temple in Jerusalem. Now, do we know much about the temple in Jerusalem? No. We're going to find out some stuff today, so because we're excited by history. So, in the temple in Jerusalem, which is about ten thousand kilometres away from where they were in Ephesus. You had lots of divisions and courts and places in this temple that certain people couldn't go to. So you had the holy place that was entered by the priests every day, and the holy of holies that was entered by the high priest once a year. Uh, Then you had um, the court of the priests, which is where they would burn sacrifices and offerings as well. Uh, And then you would have the sons of Israel court, the court of the women, And then often down a few steps, through like a big kind of gate and wall, um, you would have the court of the Gentiles, okay? So clearly there is this distance and difference. And in that, by the way, just for your own brain, if that's how you like to work, that's where Jesus overturned the tables. Anyway, so um, there was this clear barrier and difference between Jews and Gentiles, which is what Paul's trying to tackle. In fact... Uh, in Acts 21 Paul gets arrested if some of you might remember that and he gets arrested because he brings two Greek so non-Jewish people into the temple and they want him to be killed as a result right? so I found out a really interesting thing that uh, in 1871 in an excavation in Palestine um, they found this Greek kind of um, plaque that was on on a kind of a pillar that had been fallen to the ground and it said this no man of another nation to enter within the fence and enclosure around the temple and whoever is caught will have himself to blame that his death ensues. Okay? So are you getting the division now? Yeah? Am I painting that picture? Good. So often if you went into a Gentile's house and you were a Jew, you were seen as unclean. If you married a Gentile as a Jew, they would hold your funeral for you even though you were still alive. You getting it? Good. Circumcision and uncircumcision was a racial slur. They were basically racially rude towards each other, okay? Now we're getting it, fantastic. So, what is Paul trying to do? He's trying to explain to the listeners in this church, and the enmity in these two groups weren't that strong in this church, okay? There were these rumblings and this kind of historical stuff going on as well, but it wasn't that severe. But Paul is trying to explain to the Gentiles, you guys, you were once outside of God's plan. You were once outside of God's love, if you like, and his hope. Jews, where you think you've got it right, you haven't got it right anymore. God is bringing you guys together. Two tribes go to war. That's a song, isn't it? Two tribes. There's so many songs in my head. Two, two tribes, two identities that God is bringing together, and he's doing something new. He's setting up a brand new blueprint for what church should look like going forward. This is the first time that Paul uses the words church universally, right? And often he doesn't use it in that. He usually uses it like congregation. He's just speaking to a congregation. But this time he's saying, church, ecclesia, as we go forward, this is the blueprint where anyone becomes one, one body. Getting it? Good. Right, so he's tearing down the walls. He's also the foundation stone as we wrote about at the end of the passage. He's the cornerstone. And then also he is the builder as well, right? And I love what Paul is doing here because as Mark said a few weeks ago, with his sermons, he was explaining about some of the architectural kind of influence that was happening outside of Ephesus, or in Ephesus, sorry, but outside of the church at that time. Can anyone remember some of the incredible structures that were being built? I love interaction. You can see that on me. I was a youth worker. Go on. Temple of. Art. Oh, thank you, David. Any other things? The library. Remember that Mark saying that about the library? Yes, yeah, so that took 18 years to build. There was a the temple to the Emperor Hadrian that was built as well. There's a 25,000-seat stadium. I mean, not stadium, theatre. <laughs> Sorry, football. Uh, so, um, yeah, all these incredible structures, and Paul is using that language of building and walls and cornerstones, and he's taking it from the local society and influences. He's going, right, even though you guys meet in a synagogue sometimes, you meet upstairs in someone's house, all these different places, God is building something that's going to last way longer than anything you see outside it's great isn't it it's exciting I love that and so he is saying there is no more foreigners right when you come into this place there are no more foreigners if you're new here you're so welcome there's no strangers okay you're all citizens you're all part of one family because of the foundation stone which is Jesus thanks Bev we said we'd do this didn't we Bev loves to say amen I love to say amen are we good to say amen Jesus is our cornerstone yes Yes, church loving it so about 20 months ago we had an extension on our house uh, Abby and I and um, I don't know much about buildery stuff at all as you can tell by my little delicate hands Um, so and uh, they obviously as part of the extension they would cut out trenches the foundations were built and then that night they went home and uh, (laughs) and And the, the the trenches, the foundations start to fill with water. Okay, and I was like freaking out, thinking, "Oh no, they're not going to be able to put the concrete in the foundations, right? Because it's too wet." And uh, this is where you're thinking you should have taken geography, not history, Jim. Right? So I knew nothing about the the water table in the ground. So I thought I would help the builders by <laughs> by getting rid of the water. Right? <laughs> yes. All of you are thinking idiot. Fantastic. <laughs> and so what I did was I thought well, a bucket's not going to work so I thought what I'd do is I'd get my pond pump out of my pond <laughs> and I would place it in the foundations of this of, this, of, the, of my extension and then I pumped water out down the garden and then it was all gone I was like yes they're going to love me in the morning <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> uh, the next morning came and obviously the water table meant that the trenches were full of water again the foundations were thank you uh, and That was stupid, but then telling the actual builders what I'd done was even more stupid. (laughs) They kind of were drinking tea and just spat their tea out. I was like, yeah, I should have just kept quiet, shouldn't I? Um, But I was thinking in my preparation for today, it would be really important for me to um, understand the significance of the foundation stone, Jesus. What does it mean when Paul says Jesus is the cornerstone? So, I know Wayne, who's our site manager here. If you're new to church and I'm giving names, I'm sorry, that's the kind of thing that I do. But these are great people. Wayne is our site manager and he goes around doing mainly repairing leaks at the moment, uh, painting stuff as well, and doing some incredible things. Uh, and he's our site manager and he was down here and it was the week of the dedications so a couple of weeks ago and we'd um, sprung a leak. <laughs> at the back where you are sat now, right, Mr. Ozan, good to see you, uh, and uh, it was like springing up everywhere, and he was down here, and I'm sure he really appreciated me coming down to talk to him about his thoughts on cornerstones and foundations, and he told me, I'm sure loads of you know this anyway, traditionally a cornerstone was a stone at the base of a building that would often join two or more walls together, basically it connected everything, all right, are you with me? So Jesus is the cornerstone that connects everything together, right? regardless of tradition and history and wherever you've come from, your background, whatever your wealth, whatever that might look like, Jesus is the cornerstone that pulls us together and is explaining, Paul is explaining to, uh, to the church that this is the new blueprint. There's no longer anyone better than anyone, right? You are all part of this family. And I've succinctly sort of worked it down into this phrase, that the thing that united them is greater than the things that once divided them, right? And that's what Paul wants you to know this morning, that the thing that unites you as a family, look around, right, is greater than anything that divides you. That's awesome, isn't it? Good. Thank you, Bev. (laughs) Thank you, church. And that he is the person who breaks the walls down and he is the person that sits at the cornerstone, the foundation of our lives. And he is the person through the power of his spirit that fills us up and builds us into this incredible um, incredible creation for him who can worship him. And he's a place that builds church. He's the thing that builds church into unity. And um, I'm excited about what that can look like this morning, aren't you? Good. Fab. So what? Hmm. So what? What does that mean for us today? Now we live in a very different um, society to the, the, the Ephesus society, and um, where there were kind of tribes, and there were this kind of not tribes, but there were this, in, this kind of group identity. I think we kind of have the opposite problem in our society. Sometimes we, and I'm not saying this happens all the time in church, but I think. We are influenced by individualism a lot in society. So individualism is basically the principle of being independent and self-reliant, lacking dependency on each other. So I think we can live in a society where we look out for ourselves. Like we are the most important thing. You look out for your own needs. You go it alone, right? You keep yourself to yourself. And also consumerism as well, which is kind of the entitled attitude that the consumer is always right And you are the most important person. And I think we need to be really careful as a church. We might not have those same influences that the Ephesus church had, but I think those are quite common influences in our society now. And if we allow them to seep into our personal walk with Jesus and also our corporate organism-type walk with Jesus as a group of people, then actually we can see walls again come up quite quickly as we share our preferences we think our opinion is right we prefer it our way my comfort is more important than someone else's comfort now i want to say that i love waypoint church it's fantastic right you guys rock i love being here i love being part of this family and so many of you give up so much of your time and expertise and you serve the family and you serve the community in incredible ways thank you first of all I think relationally we've become so much richer and stronger in the last few years. I think seeing people hang out in the coffee shop and in the coffee bar as it was before and then doing things like church camp. We haven't got a church camp this year. Fuming. So Matt can't cook us hundreds of meals, right? So uh, we are booked in for 2021 though, right? So keep bank holiday at the end of August. Thank you, Lewis. Uh, back by the end of August books in your diaries because we'd love to get everyone there if you're new to church it's been such a great way to get to know new people usually camp so we're not doing it this summer but we'd love to get to know you well before then obviously but obviously that's a good chance to do something um, together in 2021 I am regularly blown blown away blown over whatever by um, the amount of feedback that we get um, to our welcome team about how welcoming we are as a church and how friendly we are as a church and that is great I absolutely love that. But I believe in a God that's got more in store. Do you? That wants to do far more than that. We don't want to just be a friendly church. We want to be a church that builds relationships because that place is where God goes, right, now I can fill, right? Now I can fill and you can see incredible things happen both as an individual in your own walk but also as a church. So what does that look like? How do we become that city on the hill? Were you here a couple of weeks ago from Malcolm Duncan? Malcolm Duncan is this awesome speaker dude from... Um, that's probably the most wrong way to say it. Um, incredible pastor of a church in Ireland. And he came and did our Thanksgiving and dedication service for this incredible building. And uh, one thing that really stuck with me was that he said that we are a city on a hill. A place where we can bring joy to people and refuge. And a place that is a waypoint, eh? it's in the name, for people and hope. And so I was like, how do we, how do we begin... To do that as a church, what does that look like to unpack this blueprint that Paul is saying? And I think it starts with us as individuals first because we are all bricks in this church, right? We are all part of this church. And so, first of all, we need to start with our own personal water, Jesus, and we just start with our foundations, our own cornerstones. Are we devoted to Jesus? are we devoted to Jesus? Because that's where the incredible infilling of the Spirit comes, right? That's where you see incredible things happen. When there is unity in the church, often it's because of your own walk with Jesus. And so my question to you, and I've got a couple of questions this morning, is what is your cornerstone? What is your cornerstone? Perhaps who is your cornerstone as well? The truth is for me, I know that Jesus came to set me free. I know that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I know that I can trust in him. I know that I make my plans, but he directs my path. I know that he is healer. I know that he's all those things, but often when it comes to the crunch and it comes to the daily grind, that stuff can easily just go out the window for me. And I end up building my own kind of building plan, my own projects. And I, have, I trust my own instincts. and I trust my own thinking, my own decisions. And if God's lucky, I'll go to him afterwards. <laughs> And I say, "Oh yeah, can you just kind of bless this?" And then oh, I'm off again," kind of thing. I gain my confidences from my wife, my children, my position here, football, that kind of stuff. Like I gain my, my value from that things. I gain, I gain my identity from those things. I gain my joy from those things. I even gave my joy for when my car finally works, right? I finally got a car that works, which is fantastic. But those things, I would argue, become quite quickly our cornerstones. They become our foundations for our lives. And that's not what Jesus wants for you at all. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, For no man or woman can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. I get dangerously close to laying other foundations. Do you? Do you? We all do. It's it's normal, right? So this is not meant to be a guilt trip at all. okay? But it's just meant to put things in perspective. I think we can easily get sidetracked by my job is the thing, the money is the thing, savings is the thing, my family is the thing, children is the thing, my addiction is the thing, my... Anxiety, my mental health, the place that I go to all the time is my cornerstone. And Jesus kind of just is in there somewhere, but not quite. He's not my security. He's not my comfort. He's not my strength. And the danger with that is that we're building lives that are on the wrong cornerstone. And they will just get blown over. They will get blown over because the wise man builds his (laughs) house upon the rock. What a song. Um, Sorry, that was a bit of a too much of a church in joke. Um, So, Wayne, when I spoke to Wayne, he said to me, really nowadays, cornerstones are kind of more a commemorative, kind of decorative thing. We've got one on the old building, I think, yeah. yes, which has kind of got like a date and a time when it was laid and the building was made, and that's fantastic, right? But I think sometimes we can, get in, we can be in danger of having Jesus just become this decorative little stone another brick in the wall to quote Pink Floyd um, so sorry um, so like it becomes this commemorative kind of thing that is not like the, the foundation of our life it's just like a structural part of our life yeah Sunday's is good and small group is great as well but actually like is he the, the cornerstone of what we do how we live our life how we live out of our relationships decisions that we make the confidence that we have the security that we have is he that foundational stone right Just to kind of give you guys a bit of a rest. 20 or 30 years after Paul wrote to the Ephesus church, Church the church in Ephesus, the Ephesians, that's the one, John, who also stayed in Ephesus um, for a while, he wrote a book at the end of the Bible, and it's called? Yes, we're on it. Fantastic. Now, he writes a letter to the church in Ephesus, and uh, it says about 20 or 30 years after the, that, Paul has written this letter to the church. Okay. And it's in Revelation 2, verse 4. It says this But I have this against you you have left the love you had in the beginning. So remember where you were before you fell, change your hearts, and do what you did at first you have left the love you had in the beginning so remember where you were before you fell and change your hearts and do what you did at first even after the blueprint that Paul had given the church to say love God first and love others the church and they were a great church right Paul isn't telling them off in Ephesians at all but the church they didn't stand up for false teachers they didn't like evil people they worked really hard they went through a lot of suffering in, in the church of, in, in Ephesians um but actually, they'd lost that love, that zealousness for Jesus, that passion for Jesus. And they'd kind of fallen away for their love for one another as well. You see the link? When you love Jesus first, the other stuff flows out. You getting that? And they'd moved away from that. They'd moved away from that. And I guess, do we get excited by Jesus? Yes, church. I want to be part of a church that everyone is excited by Jesus, right? You're thinking, Jim, you work in church. It's easy for you to be excited by Jesus. Yeah, sometimes it is, okay? And I don't have the lives you guys have, but I, I know the same saviour you guys know, <laughs> okay? And I want that fullness of Jesus to be your experience every single day in everything that you do, to overflow into your love, into everyone else. And I want to remind you that you're no longer strangers, Right? You're no longer cut off, love it. Yes, you're no longer slaves to fear, to sin. In Galatians, it says, you're no longer male or female, right? That's how much this identity means now, through Jesus the cornerstone. He's like, "It doesn't even matter what you are anymore. You are one family. And I want to build this church where you are redeemed and you are restored, and I've equipped you, and I've poured out my grace on you, and I've poured out my spirit over you, so even more incredible things can happen. Are you excited? Yes, I'm excited. Good. So, as we have that understanding of Jesus as our cornerstone, then whenever we meet other cornerstones, we're like, "Do you love Jesus like I love Jesus?" Right? Oh, I, I wasn't I didn't have this plan, but I'm going to say it. So, um, at college, my first day at college, because I was really kind of insecure. That we all are, right? I was really insecure, and I went to college with my mate Nathan. It's Dan Partonet, it? it doesn't matter. Anyway, Nathan Peach, right? He's a great guy. And uh, I didn't know anyone else at college. And uh, I went to St. Vincent's College in Gosport. And um, not that, that matters. But um, anyway, <laughs> shouldn't have said this bit. Uh, so basically, I got there and I was like chatting to Nathan. And he was like chatting to me, and we were like, oh, you know, we're both Christians in this new environment, like, what happens, blah, blah, blah. And then I remember one of his friends, Andy, was chatting to us as well, and then his mate, Dan, was chatting to us as well. Anyway, um, and like, after a while, I was like, are you one of us? <laughs> and he went, huh? And it got all really weird and quiet, and then he went, do you mean, am I a Christian? I was like, yeah because you sound like you could be but I'm a Christian I was like Ah, thank goodness right and I'm not saying we live in this holy bubble right that's not what I'm saying at all but it's so important to recognise that when you meet other Christians you are family united by Jesus Christ and in that moment there's a special thing happening right you're an organism not an organisation you don't just represent church that particular time you are something that the spirit wants to move in you and grow stuff incredible out of you in that particular moment and I love that it's great So, I don't know where that came from. So, when I think about Acts, um, no, when I think about church, I think about Acts, okay? Acts 2 in particular. Uh, So, I'm going to read a passage from Acts 2, and uh, it's from the message version, don't judge me, but I really like this particular version. So, (laughs) and if you read the message, I think you're great. Um, So, it says this, "...they, us, committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal, and the prayers." Everyone around was in awe. All those wonders and signs done through the apostles and all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pulled their resources so that each person's need was met. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home, every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. People in general liked what they saw. Every day their number grew as God added those who were saved. That's exciting, isn't it? I love that. They were devoted. They were committed. They did life together. They shared and served one another. They used their skills and resources. They were disciplined to meet every day. Every day. Every day. They're like, I know somebody's thinking I could not meet with that person every right? day. Jim, you'd be way too much. Um, but they were family, right? They were family. There was no walls in their church, there was no walls, well oh, there probably were some walls in the house, or the roof falling down, but there was no walls of separation, there was no consumerism, there was no individualism of oh i just go to church and I'll dip out, I'll go to church, i dip out, I'll go next week, I'll go four weeks time. No judgement, right? But for this to really work we have to be committed to each other, devoted to each other, built on the cornerstone of Jesus because we love each other. That's where God does incredible things, that's where he did incredible things in the Acts church. A couple of years ago, I spoke on guest and host mentality, some of you might have been at that particular sermon, and a host mentality is someone who just says, ah, I'll do that for you, right? And I think if we can all have that host mentality of serving one another, we tackle individualism and we tackle consumerism before it gets in through the doors, and we become this incredible family. A guest mentality is, I'm here at church, how can you serve me, where's my comfort? I'm not saying we do that, but we need to be mindful of that as we grow especially, that we continue to grow the family side of church. Um, my small group, this does link, uh, my small group, I love my small group, and uh, on a Tuesday, which is when we meet, and if you're not in a small group, you're in a small group because it's brilliant, um, we meet on a Tuesday and often I'll be late to my own small group in my own house, Okay and my small group members are looking at me smiling right now uh, and usually that's because I have, I'm doing a youthy thing first discipling young people that's not meant to be like a oh, super holy thing and if you want to help me do that's great um, so yes, little, t- little, little thing um, so I turn up at, like after 8 o'clock and um, I go into my house if Abby's there then she shouldn't put the kids to bed and then my small group are making themselves teas and coffees and they're going through my cupboards and they're eating crisps and biscuits and they're judging the state of my worktops and stuff like that as well. And they're not doing that. Uh, but I love it. I absolutely love that they're hosting each other. I don't turn up and like there's a lot of queue of people outside my house. They go straight in the front door. They make the tea and they host each other and they serve each other. It's brilliant, isn't it? I love that feel, right? I know you've got to trust people first before you let them into your cupboards, right? I get that. But it's that mentality. Actually, what's yours is mine. We are family, united by Christ, the cornerstone. Right? There's no sense of like, oh, individualism, or like, oh, like I'm, I'm on my own in this. Okay. So I wanted to say, like, wouldn't it be amazing if we didn't have a welcome team at church? Because everyone was welcomeers. Wouldn't that be great? We're all ninja welcomeers, like really annoying people to the point they don't want to come back. Right? <laughs> don't leave the welcome team if you're part of the welcome team. <laughs> We need you, right, and we love you, and we think you 're great, but it 's so good to have that sense of family that anyone that steps in through those doors, everyone just kind of welcomes them and lets them know that yeah, you are welcome here. God is doing something in this place, and you can be part of it it 's exciting isn 't it? Yeah, love it anyway, sorry, so and um, what I' say with that as well is um, i don 't this is not meant to be. I'm not trying to make anyone feel awkward, right? I don't want anyone to feel like, oh, but I do this a lot already and I'm already worn out by this stuff. <laughs> or, but you don't understand where I'm at. I get it, right? I understand that. But I guess for me today, I just want to challenge a small part of your world where you're like, I do need to give, I do, I do need to give a bit more in that. I do need to be a bit more welcome in that. I'm naturally an introvert. You're thinking, no, you are. <laughs> I'm naturally an introvert. And it takes a lot, in me to go and say hello to someone, right? I've had to kind of learn that a little bit. And so I understand those of you are thinking, it's all right for you, Jim, you're bouncing around on stage, right? I get it, I do get it, but we are family. I know that different people make up family and there's different characters as well. But can I just encourage you to, to, to break that mold, to step out, because that's how we invite more people in, as we allow the love of Jesus to spill out through us, our own insec- past our insecurities, Pastor, even not even knowing what words to say to someone when you meet them at the door. Actually, Jesus, you want me to go and greet that person. You know? Um, yeah. I've lost my thought now completely. Thanks, Bev. So, this is on the recording. So,. Um, <laughs> Julie Kirk, fantastic. So Julie, some of you know Julie Kirk. She comes to the nine o'clock service, and I did get her blessing before I, I shared this with her. Uh, and she's just started helping on a Friday night at our Edge Group, which is our open community group to young people. And we get a lot of people at that, which is great. We've got a great team there. And she said, "Look, I'm not. I work with young people all day, all week long. So I don't want to, don't want to work with them anymore. But I realised that if I come and serve behind the talk shop." then I can release other leaders to build the relationship. So she is serving church. She's bringing her skills and her experience and she's serving it as family. This isn't just a big call, by the way, to get people to serve. Okay? This is about changing our mindset to hosting and understanding the importance of that. Because I think when you understand you're hosting and not just serving, you think it's something completely different because then we own this place. We own the, the story and the gospel and we can give it to people as they come in. So. She's great at doing that. And as she's done that, she's, learned, she's, grew, she's grown her network of people that she knows in the church as well because we all like to be needed and known. And that's a great way of, of doing that. And yes, we are family, right? And yes, that means like any family, you're going to have arguments. It's going to happen. It's unavoidable. You're going to prefer it this way or that way, have that opinion or this opinion. Um, in our house... We have, um, <laughs> stop arguing. We have um, f- five jars in our house uh, called the niceness jars, right? And kindness jars, sorry, thank you, daughter. Um, and um, so <laughs> each one of us, I wasn't banking on you guys being here, each one of us um, has within it like a colored token, right? And every time we're unkind, we put the color token in the jar, and at the end of the week, when we remember, we count up how many tokens are in that jar, and the person with the least amount of tokens has been the kindest. Do you get it? It's a little bit of a weird system, but it means that throughout the week, we're able to go, right, sit on the naughty step. What's going on? How are you feeling? Let's work through this. We can say things and we can receive things and love and we can reflect. How are we doing as a family? What do we need to get better at? What's it highlighting? Where is there something like some stuff that is like breaking in that we not quite realized before? How can we help each other? You getting me? And as a church, let's amplify that up. Don't let's not all have jars because so that gets too messy. <laughs> can you imagine that? I'll put one in there for you. Um, so, but it's so important to understand that we are family. So we are going to come up against things that we don't like. We're going to come up with th- things that aren't how we would like it, our preferences, our opinion. But in those times, rather than putting up the, the, the walls of disunity, which can happen really quickly, trust me, they can happen really quickly, we need to say, Jesus, break them down. Because you are the cornerstone and you're the builder. And actually, yes, I might prefer it warmer or colder or lighter or darker or louder or quieter or whatever it might be. But actually, don't let me lose sight of the purpose of this. Because this is about your mission, Jesus, and I want to join it. And I'm part of this incredible family because the thing that unites us is greater than anything that can divide us. So don't let the things that can divide us, divide us. (laughs) Don't let it in. Don't let that in.